When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU Recruitniks, presented by Sooners360.com. Each and every week, we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting, including offers, evaluations, schedules, opinions, and more. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to this week's episode of the 360 Recruiting Podcast presented by Sooners360.com. This week we have episode number 36 and we're calling it Momentum Starting or Stalled. I'm joined as usual by Chris Mason, lead recruiting analyst over at Sooners360 and Caleb Cummings, aka Mr. Sooner55, our film guru. Before we jump into the episode, just want to Quick reminder to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform of choice. We are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. And very soon we will be on video on YouTube and our very own platform on Sooners 360. So stick to the board for some news on that upcoming. Chris, let's uh, let's jump into the latest news in OU's recruiting world, including another wide receiver commitment. Yeah, OU received a commitment sort of um, – the decommit happened when we were recording, um, when we were recording, and uh, the next day he went ahead and committed to Oklahoma. It's um, it's Ivan uh, Carrion, and he's from Odessa, Texas. He's listed around 6'6", uh, 200 pounds. I think that's probably a fair – that looks like a legit number. I don't think he's – He's obviously he's obviously every bit six six. So, and um, sort of in the with the rankings getting updated here this summer, he's now a composite uh, four star. He's at a four star ranking with all of the services, and he's as ranked as high as uh, uh, number two hundred two hundred and one on two four seven. So you know this is not this isn't a, this isn't some six foot six stiff. He was very productive last year. He had nearly. 1100 yards um constantly kind of making constantly kind of making jump ball catches where he doesn't look open but he's just able to 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 body people but I won't go too far into a review but really this is kind of a blow for uh, Texas Tech cuz he was a very good receiver in their class and um Emmett Jones obviously recruited him to Texas Tech Emmett has connections with his high school coach too so 
Uh, and I think it speaks a lot to, to Ivan in particular that he came up to OU camp to earn a scholarship. So uh, scholarship offer, sorry, scholarship offer. So, you know, we weren't at the camp setting to really to, to be able to give any reports on that. But obviously he was impressive enough in that 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 the coaching staff and Emmett Jones felt like they were they could give him an offer. So. That gives OU four wide receivers. It's quite a bit of height to go with the speed receiver and uh, KJ Daniels from Louisiana. You've got Kearney at 6'3", uh, Dozy uh, Izukanma, who I think is probably somewhere in the range of 6'2", 6'3", himself. And then Zion Kearney uh, looks every bit 6'3". So you've got some height and playmaking ability uh, in this class, plus you've got a smaller, speedier slot guy uh, and KJ Daniels. So, uh, obviously OU felt like they were in a good enough position at, at wide receiver to go ahead and, and, and take carry on. But it's, uh, it's an interesting prediction. I, I would have, I incorrectly presumed that Dozy, uh, took the slot, uh, th- between the two of these guys, that the two guys were competing for one slot in the OU wide receiver room. But it looks like OU's taken both guys. And, uh, you know, there's, I think, you know, we'll let Caleb talk about whether this is a tight end or a wide or a tight end or a wide receiver offer a little bit in our next segment, because I think, uh, that's, that's an interesting kind of debate there based upon his film and maybe how OU could use him. So I'm not going to steal Caleb's, uh, Caleb's analysis, uh, thunder there, but, you know, again, he's a four-star player on every service at this point, uh, you know, Texas is just full of wide receiver talent. So sometimes it's, it's just it's just not the five star guy. It's it's getting the guy that you think is going to be the the most productive in college. So it's going to be an interesting, I think, an interesting analysis and competition over the next couple of years to see which which player has a bigger impact, Dozy or or Carry On. So because um, we're hoping and presuming that Zion is is going to you know hit the ground running and in sort of Malcolm Kelly kind of fashion. But, uh, you know, it's a good commitment. Again, you know, you, you have to love someone who decisively decides, yep, I'm not going to Texas Tech and I'm going to go to Oklahoma instead. Didn't screw around, quickly made the decision and knew that an OU spot was where he wanted to be. So uh, it, it, his senior film is going to be one that I'm, I'm, I'm really going to be interested in looking at, maybe looking at some of his early as much of his early game film as, as gets posted because you know he's he's got a lot of he's got a lot of big physical skills so the question is you know at OU camp did he look did he look more explosive did he look like he had more wiggle and if he did then that completely explains this offer all right well we'll we'll pull Caleb in in a little bit to give his breakdown of uh carry on's film uh Chris, any any other positives uh, from the last week or so? Uh, you know, Zion Reagans is another wide receiver out there. I believe he just uh, released his commitment date. Yeah, Zion Reagans just announced that he's going to commit on seven eighteen. Uh, despite taking carry on and being at four wide receivers, uh, it looks like OU is still very much in play for Zion Reagans. And he's a speed guy. He would give you, he would be, you know, a, a, the legit speed guy. Uh, Taylor Tatum still appears to be trending to OU. We're kind of expecting a commitment announcement fairly soon. Uh, and that looks like that battle is trending in the OU direction. Uh, 
And then, you know, we've been basically seeing Danny Okoye in everybody's jersey but OU, everybody's uniform but OU over the month of June. And all of OU fans were kind of getting worried about that. But, you know, I spoke to Danny. He's making a decision in November. He doesn't look like he's stick, he's pulling off that. So according to uh, according to some information we've got, uh, Danny Okoye is going to visit Oklahoma at the end of July. So it's a nice... OU gets a nice, you know, reaffirmation of all the things, uh, all their positives with Danny Okoye back on campus after he's seen some other places. And I know you can tee up whatever weekend they want to bring him in in October for an official visit. So that's, I think that's trending nicely for OU, depending upon uh, how his season breaks out and uh, some, and how OU's season breaks out. But I think, you know, they're very much in the battle for Okoye, and our internal sources say that OU views Okoye as a top 20 kind of five-star talent, much higher than his current ratings, which we think we, you know, Caleb and I gush over the kid. We think he's underrated. Um, But OU internally has that same opinion. They think he is a legit five-star top 20 type talent. I I don't know how he's not. And just in terms, like if you take the logic of, I want to rank guys based on how their skills, right? Are they height, weight, speed? How these project to playing in college, and could they play in the NFL? If that's your, if that's you know the parameters we want to use, he's he is that, right? He's I think he is. I'll be honest, like I think he's probably uh, Samuel and Pimba's superior in that area. Okay, is he, is he uh, that fast? Uh, I don't really care if he runs like like a four two. Oh, I mean no, like no, 88, no. 88 and a forty. Is he, is he, is he eighty eight <laughs> in a, a, a fifty five pass? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. Sammy Sammy Hagar, by the way, the new the the new rock star um, uh, sponsor of uh, of Georgia football. <laughs> How many people are going to get that? Uh, yeah. But no, so then the other piece of that is if you want to say, okay, show me a dominant guy on film. And I get you say, oh, but he's playing kids that are, you know, uh, not going to play uh, Division One football. You know, that one of like the top two or three tight ends in the country this year offers from everybody. He just committed to Nebraska is an eight man kid plays eight man football in Nebraska. Right. So like you lose me there when I don't see consistency kind of across all that, because there's a lot of guys that don't play at, at IMG and you're saying, well, he's great. He's completely dominant and he's got the physical ability. So we're going to make him that. Well, that is the argument for McCoye. Right. And I think I've said this a bunch on here. I, I, I told him this uh, online. Like, he's the best edge rusher the state yeah. of Oklahoma has produced in the, like, in this era of recruiting, you know, whatever you want to call this. Right. I looked it up. Like, you would have to go back to like Dan Cody. And Dan wasn't that, was not that guy out of high school. No, 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 he wasn't. Dan Cody yeah. was, Dan Cody was like six, four, 210 pounds when he showed up in Norman. Yeah, yeah. He, so and he's not. I mean, uh, Okoye just posted something on Twitter where he's just like throwing weight around like it's you know like it's a household item. He's he routinely picks up and works out with. So uh, yeah, I mean, so so Okoye, you know, he'll be at the party at the palace. I think that's a good sign. Hopefully, some other big guys are there at the party at the palace. A lot of twenty five kids are going to be there. OU is going to try and bring in twenty five and twenty four kids. So. 
I think Michael Patterson McDonald will probably be there. Um, so, you know, I think he's a good chance for him to be around other parts of the class and, uh, and have a chance to, to, to bond. Cause when he came on his, when he came on his OU unofficial visit, it was kind of a dead time at, in Norman in May where not a lot of, not a lot of, not a lot of players were around. And, um, you know, cause it was just right after, right after classes had ended and kind of, you know, they kind of went their separate ways. I think OU had the, had their sole mission guys in South Africa during that time as well. So, uh, you know, it's gonna be nice for Danny to get back on campus, meet a bunch of their teammates and potentially meet some future teammates in the class. So I think that's a, that's a big win. Cause you know, we, I, Danny said that he was probably going to choose the San Antonio all American game. He's got invites to both. So I think that's very – I really hope he goes to that game because I can see him showing up and just dominating and everybody being like, who's, who's this guy from Oklahoma? Where, where did he come from? Um, so, you know, that's, that's, that's probably the most positive news of the, of the, of the week other than the, the commitment map. All right. Well, we've got some commitments scheduled coming up. Uh, so there could be some more good news, possibly some bad news. Uh, we, we know Casey Poe, his announcement is coming up and he seems to be trending towards Alabama. Chris, what's the latest on him and, and maybe some of these other scheduled commitments coming up? So obviously at nine o'clock tonight, um, central time, Joseph Jonah Ayanje will be choosing the University of Georgia unless some monumental, massive, my, some, you know, like the Peyton Bowen or, when that safety from Louisiana chose Bama and his mom was like, you're not going to hell. You're not going to, you're going to go to Bama. Let's, and it's not signing day. So, you know, I don't, I don't, that's probably not, not that level of pressure, but if he was to not choose Georgia, it would be shocking, but you know, he's also been very quiet since his Georgia um, official visit. So him moving his date up to me screams Georgia, but you know, we'll see. Uh, Davon Mitchell is uh, announcing this Saturday, and he's the 2025 elite tight end. We've talked about him on this show quite a bit. We think he's going to reclassify to 24, and that's why he has set this commitment date, so that this fall he can take an official visit to whatever college he wants to, uh, whatever college he chooses, because until he reclassifies, he can't take official visits. So I don't, I don't understand him taking – I don't understand him – locking down recruiting if he's uh, going to stay in the 25 class. So that looks like an OU, Miami, and Bama battle. And our, our last best indication was that our, that our sources thought that OU still had a lead and was going to be able to, um, barring something weird happening on Saturday, that he probably will pick OU. But if you ask for a confidence number in that, I would say something like eight. Eight out of ten, eight and a half out of ten, something like that. Then Marquise Easley, the big offensive tackle from Kanaki, Illinois, is announcing on the same day, and he's supposed to be choosing between OU, Tennessee, and Bama, I think. But everyone says he's going to UGA, so it's a weird recruiting. Um, Caleb, I think Easley would make the sixth offensive lineman that Georgia has in the class. Yeah, yeah, it would. They've and he would be their well, fourth, their fourth that, tackle. If they get the guy Friday, they get the, get the guy to be, Friday. They're supposed Where, to get the guy in the wire. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's from not, New Jersey. Yeah. yeah, so if that and he would be, that would be almost like four tackles in that class and two interior guys. So 
you know, it, it's a big, they're all huge. Some of the they're kids right. I think that are being projected to play inside or in high school still play tackle and they're, Six Monstrous. six six seven three thirty yeah. three forty three fifty. They got one guy's three sixty. It's just like okay, yeah. Um, and when you dig yeah. in, it's interesting. There are two additional, you know, one in particular, which would be uh, the Baker kid from from modern yeah, day in yeah, California. Yeah. He's a five star, and he's taken three officials: so Oregon, Texas, and Georgia. And Georgia sets what most people think in his top two biggest comp competitors. Looks like Oregon, and uh, you know they. That's usually a battle that Georgia would win, although he is a West Coast kid. Uh, it's it. I God. fully expect it's, easily to pick to pick Georgia. Uh, at the same time, like it's wild to think he would roll in there with a class of you know six, seven offensive linemen, uh, and when there's the opportunity to to roll into Norman as you know potentially the number one. The number one tackle in the class. Yeah, unless Bricks, you know, I, I would make, I think that, you yeah. know, I think Bricks is, you know, Oklahoma's still chasing that, you know, uh, and they should. I, that, that race isn't run, is not, uh, no, that's run. not finished. Yeah. And they still got, they've got a really good shot with Bricks. And I would say most people probably think it, at worst it's 50 50. It's just gone from looking like 90 10 Oklahoma to suddenly 50 50. So, yeah. So easily could shock us and choose OU. All right. It, it's possible. I mean, he, he OU would make the most sense based upon the commitments that everybody else has been gathered that um, easily would, I could see easily, you know, maybe, maybe the, maybe the Friday verbal sends him into a panic and says, you know, all right, what's going on here? And then the Baker news. So um, that'll be, in, you know, again, but it's just, it's just weird that he's, it's just weird that it can be three. He, you know, presuming he does some sort of some sort of streaming hat ceremony like everybody does these days, it's gonna have. You know, he's gonna choose. There's gonna be three hats on the table, and then he's gonna pull like a, a Georgia hat out of a bag or a bulldog puppy out of a out of a box or something. I, I don't know. Um, uh, Kirby Kirby Smart ma- Evil Kirby Smart mask. He's gonna just put it on or something like that. Halloween mask. Um, so. Yeah, that he's he's on the eighth, and then continuing the O line issue, Casey Poe is going to decide on the twelfth. That looks like Bama, but I don't think it. I think there's a chance OU could, when the final decision comes down, could could maybe win that out. But if you're asking me today where I'm going to put my money, it's probably on Bama, and then Michael Patterson McDonald is going to announce on seven thirty one. If I had a suspicion, I would say maybe watch for his buddy David Stone right around that time, either maybe before or after. Let his buddy have the limelight and maybe announce after it. And then just today, Caden Durham, a little bit out of nowhere and certainly in conflict with information he's been giving uh, different sites, he said he's committing on 825, which means he won't be able to take another official visit anywhere. And, you know, he was, and he just got like an Auburn, vis, Auburn offer. He was telling the Auburn site, yeah, I'm going to schedule an Auburn official visit. And he was talking about going to a bunch of different places in the fall, which I guess he still can after he verbals. Um, but don't, don't make a lot of sense uh, with the way he's done things. So this is an LSU OU battle if nothing else changes. And I would say it's probably 50 50 right now. Um, and it's hard to tell what impact uh, a Taylor Tatum commitment in July would have on that. So uh, he's got lots of OU connections, lots of OU friends in the class who are 
trending to OU. Um, but mom is an alum. Mom's an alum. He's from uh, Southmore. I think he played high high school football in Southmore for one year. Uh, he was a Southmore SaberCat. Um, so that's that's where that is. That's you know that's five big names sort of on the board with dates now, Matt. I think we're probably getting close to getting dates from David Stone, Williams, uh, Winery, and maybe Braden Platt. Uh, and probably Devin Jordan. So we're, we're going to start to see some some names, some more names added to this uh, added to this list from the targets from the two big weekends that OU had in June. All right. So a, a positive news and a commitment. Some more maybe positive news and some future commitments. Again, not everything in recruiting is positive. Chris, what what were some negatives that came out in the last week? I know. Samaj Jones is one uh, that we had predicted. Uh, we had a good source let us know way back when that he was likely going to be the second quarterback in the class. Uh, doubled down on that and sent out our prediction after the big official visit weekend. But then things changed quickly. What happened with that, Chris? Yeah, we we sort of had a tip that he was leaning towards OU or he was telling the coaches that he was probably going to choose OU. And um, we let our message board folks um, know that we were tracking a uh, tracking kind of the dreaded silent verbal. And I, I and when he didn't commit that weekend, that big weekend, like didn't just immediately announce that he was going to choose OU, it kind of seemed like okay, maybe maybe he's gotten spooked by the whole two quarterback thing, and, and as was rethinking whether that was a good move. Maybe he just met lots of guys and they were all talking about Michael Hawkins and how sort of embedded Michael is with the class, you know, because Michael knows lots of the players and has been very out front um, in terms of recruiting uh, guys to the class to the best of his abilities. I don't think he's been stalking anyone, but he's just, you know, he's he's pretty active on social media about, you know, hey, come be a Sooner. So I think one of those two things kind of maybe – made him decide to rethink that decision or reevaluate. And I think being the sole quarterback at Cincinnati made more sense than fighting for the number two spot uh, at Oklahoma. And I, I don't think OU will be chasing any more high school quarterbacks. They'll probably try and look to the portal for some quarterback depth, presuming that uh, General Booty um, moves on or, you know, it's just he's just not he's just not very good. Um, I don't think any of us really know one way or the other uh, and probably aren't going to see that this uh, fall with Jackson Arnold looking like QB number two. So it'll be an interesting portal chase and we'll just stick a pin in that conversation and come back to it in December during our month long uh, transfer portal coverage in December. Uh, you know, I'm sure a quarterback, some quarterback name will show up and we'll be like, oh, that's good. Or, or like, who's this guy? So that was Samaj. Um, I obviously mentioned JJA is probably picking Georgia here in about 30 minutes in live recording time. So Justin Denson chose Michigan State. That was kind of expected. Michigan State got the last visit. And I think OU may be looking at their numbers at DB being a little tight and kind of backed off a little bit um, after his visit. Maybe a little concerned that, you know, okay, he's, he's going he's, he's gonna to bounce He's going to bounce on us, you know, near signing day. So let's not, you know, there was not, not that many hooks with him to the recruiting class. 
Interesting thing is it looks like Florida maybe screwed themselves here. They were the favorite, and they kind of dropped Denson a little bit to focus on getting Jamar Grimsley, who ended up choosing Alabama instead of Florida. So uh, interesting recruiting battles going on there. And then this is – he hasn't said this in any sort of public, obvious way, but it looks like Bennett Warren's down to Tennessee and Michigan based upon his Instagram post. So he was showing himself in Michigan gear and then Tennessee gear with like a wrestling belt around his waist or a boxing belt around his waist, I think, some some sort of is, volunteer Is belt. that odd to you in any way, shape, or form, just given – I guess maybe the number of times he was in Norman, how he spoke about OU. And wasn't it at one time in the spring, it, a lot of people thought he might end up there. Well, when Oregon, when he dropped Oregon, everyone thought that OU was going to be the beneficiary of that move. Yeah. It may be a case of he's sort of like he, he fell in love with the last place he visited. I don't know if that is Michigan or not. May have been. I think it was Tennessee. Was it Tennessee? Okay. So it may be that he's that. Um, it, it's strange to me. Um, that he would, because if he chooses Michigan, which I think is probably what he's going to do, again, he's he's the third tackle in that class behind Blake Frazier and um, Sprague. And Sprague. So he's probably the third tackle in that class again. And those 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 guys are old tackles. They're, oh yeah, for sure. I, you can't play you, you can't play Warren at guard. He's, um, uh, he's the only one of that group I would you know that you think could just given how. Yeah, Biggie is how, how much yeah. wider. Here's a question for you then. Is there a possibility, uh, we kind of presume with Easley, he left Georgia off, that is the favorite, and he's going to pull the Georgia hat out. Is there any chance that whether it's Oklahoma or Texas A&M, that Warren left those two off and then ends up at either in College Station or Norman? Sure. I mean, if, if we're going yeah, yeah, if, if yeah. to reverse riverboat uh, players' selections, yeah, that's why the Easley thing is just so weird. It's like, you know, it would be one thing if Georgia was like, no, 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 we're legitimately out, man. We're out. We're, you know, it'd be interesting if Georgia, if we'd heard that from Georgia this week, like, like no, 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 we're out. Someone else took its spot. We're, we're not in that final three. Um, if that was the message we're getting back from Georgia insiders. Um, you know, Bennett Warren, you know, there was there was some talk that there was some people in his in his uh decision making uh cadre or group, you know, thought that OU is the best place for him in terms of developing a big offensive lineman, which I, it's hard to argue. So uh, you know, Michigan or Tennessee, you know, Sharon Moore is doing a great job O line recruiting. Again, Michigan's back to back college football playoffs. They've Basically embarrassed Ohio State two years in a row defensively, ran all over them. They got back-to-back Joe Moore awards, I believe. That's right, right? They won it back-to-back years? Michigan has. Yeah. So he's going on the road with all of that positive momentum. He's probably, you know, um, and they did. They took a bunch of transfer online in the offseason. So Michigan does need to reload, so a little bit. So it's it's interesting to see, but... I'd like to think Bill, you know, with both Easley and Warren, I'd like to think Bill could win one of those battles by touting, you're the number one tackle in this class. Um, and uh, versus a number three or four tackle at, at Michigan. So I'd like to think that message would resonate with a kid, but, you know, kids, kids all think they're number one these days. So, you know, we're all indestructible and the best, best player ever as teenagers. No one can tell us 
and tell us any different, right? Um, so that's that's that looks like that's the only that that I mean he hasn't officially followed up with like a Twitter post or yeah. no one's interviewed him and he still doesn't have a decision date. So he's kind of floating out there in the in the ether in terms of um a decision date. I think it's coming soon, but I don't have a date yet and it may not be relevant to OU when the date comes. So another strange part of this strange O-line cycle that we're we're quietly going through. So no one no one wants an O-line verbal more than us. Uh, maybe only Bill Biedenbaum and, and Brent Venables. But <laughs> Jeff Levy. Um, well, you know, Jeff Jeff's got Jeff's got Kevin Sperry and Jackson Arnold and you know and Mike Hawkins. So Jeff hard, to, th- like, hard to throw from your ass. It is, you know, but you know, but both Sperry and Hawkins, though, based upon last year's film, are completely used to having no O line. So, you know. <laughs> That's true. Um, you know, so maybe, you know, Bill's just like, you know, Slebby's like, yeah, we're not recruiting O line here either. So you guys are just great. But all, all joking aside, we just got to see how this whole, what I'm calling the Bill Beatenbow donut, the 12 and 0, 0 for 12 donut shakes out. And there's still pieces to, to to go and we're going to go a little more in depth with that in the, the next segment so matt that's all the news that's uh that's current uh other than the jja decision and you know in 20 minutes we'll we'll one of us will give a quick shout out and say that that's that's confirmed so well you you mentioned the 0 for 12 donut you know i always go back to the old adage that not everything is as bad as it seems so Hopefully, we do get some good news in the next few weeks on the O line front. Uh, that's, the, but, um, that's the old Barry. That's the old Barry saying. Yeah, remember that. Yeah, we're never never as bad as good, or we're never as bad or good as we look in our first football game. Yep. Don't exactly. freak out. So. so I'm not freaking out quite yet, but I'm getting pretty close. Well, um, you know. But let's uh, let's bring Caleb back in here for a little breakdown on Ivan Carrion, who we talked about earlier. The Six foot six, two hundred ish pound receiver from Odessa. Uh, Caleb, what what do you like about Carry On? And I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts on him. You know where he slots on this in this offense side, maybe in the slot as flex tight end. Um, so let's get your breakdown there. <laughs> I don't, you know, where he slots to me is probably dependent upon who the offensive coordinator is to some regard and what scheme they're running or what tweaks they're doing, you know? So I, I like the kid quite a bit for like to the way the game is played today. It's just become much more of a, a basketball on grass. It's a game of, you know, a lot of times, you know, because of that, because it's played in so much space, physical traits, height, weight, speed tend to stick out more. Than I think they probably ever have. You know, I, you know, thirty years ago, uh, just a really instinctive linebacker or a very instinctive player could could excel. I think a little bit more than you can today if you don't hold up from a physical trait perspective because the amount of space you're going to be asked to play in. Uh, it's, but with carry on, I love the fact that he's to me he's a complete and utter chess piece. Like he's a really good athlete. You know, so he he plays basketball. He is the all-time leading receiver in basically every category you can think of there in Odessa uh, for for Odessa High. He's a state qualifier in the 110 meter hurdles. Uh, ran you know 14 one 
Uh, so good time in that. So, you know, he, he checks the box from an athlete perspective. You know, what he is as a receiver, to me, I, I, I think of him as a matchup as a matchup kind of nightmare in the chess piece. I think he's a guy you're going to play inside. You're going to play outside. You want to try to isolate on whether it's smaller defensive backs, you know, think back to that go ball shot that Florida state took on, uh, Justin Broyles with Johnny Wilson, right? You're able to get a six foot six. And I, I think that carry on he's 200 now and he may end up 220. He may end up 240 and play a bit of a H hybrid tight end, but he's that type of guy that, uh, you know, you're going to be able to, you want to, you know, play, find the fish, get me, get him on the smaller DB, throw jump balls, throw back shoulder balls, get him up the seam because he has a massive catch radius. So, you know, and we've talked about this a little bit, I think more and more, you know, that's because it is a little bit of basketball and grass receiver rooms are, are kind of being built from a complete perspective, right? We're not going to have all six foot and 190 pound guys. You're going to have them ranging from guys, you know, like a Zion Ragens who is, you know, five foot 10, 160 pounds, going to run 10 two to six foot six, 220 pounds and, and maybe running four or five, five, right? Because, you know, it's, uh, it's just become a game of of matchups, and I think he gives you a unique uh, height, weight, speed matchup uh, guy for you know whether it's situational football, third down, you know, go to the sticks, uh, big catch radius, get open, or if that's a uh, you know a jump ball in the end zone, he's he, he brings a lot. I'll be. He's a guy I think Barry and I disagree on. I don't think I see the comps that he's given. I think he's a better athlete than some of the some of the guys that have been mentioned you know no shot at jeff mead i just think that uh carry on is a he's a better of our athlete you would think you see that in his track times you see that in his gait uh to me when he runs he he's not uh didn't flail about he's not kind of loose and everywhere you know he can uh not the most explosive guy like a regions that's you know again he's not gonna go run Four two five, uh, but you know he's six six, gonna be two twenty two twenty five. You don't you don't need him to go run four two five. And you know, unlike some of the the big receivers that you recruited in the past, Caleb, I mean, give Karen all credit. He he was extremely productive his junior year. I mean, well, even more than that. So I mean, he's he was extremely productive his sophomore year too. So he yeah, his sophomore so year he went for eleven hundred and fourteen yards. Junior year, uh, eleven hundred and sixty eight yards. I mean, he's been that's he's pretty consistent. That's he's that's pretty consistent dominant. performance, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a with him. There, it's less of a projection of hey, look at these traits. I think we can get him in a you know, in a matchup position, right? No, it's like you can watch this kid and you can watch him for two years now over and over and over. Uh just just getting after and it's, you know, same thing in same thing in basketball, right? Uh he he averaged 14 rebounds and four blocks a game. Uh, you know, so he's just good. He's a good athlete. He's a good athlete. He's, he's a good good coordinated athlete. Very good. Yeah, like I said, you know, uh, you know, those numbers in basketball, 14 one, hundred meter. Uh, or 110 meter hurdles, rather, and again, he will hit leave Odessa. The is the you know he already is the all time leading receiver in every category. But I, I would imagine a healthy senior year, he'll put that quite a ways out there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 
it's interesting they took him as a fourth receiver. Um, you know, kind of jump, Matt kind of jumping into what's the impact on on Carrion in terms of the recruiting class. Again, I, I to repeat, I said I thought Dozy had taken his spot. So this this seems to tell me that OU's taking once we'll take five wide receivers. And if Terry Bussey wants to be a sooner, they will take Terry Bussey and figure it out later. So, you know, that's that's a big part of this class that with five wide receivers tells me that my prior predictions where I was trying to hold the cap on 25 and on our message board kind of getting raked over the coals for it. I'm like, well, the NCA ruling just, you know, I was writing this when the NCA ruling was just a suggestion. So uh, yeah, I think it looks to me like OU has, you know, uh, Kyle on our on our board has on our board and our site has done a good job with the scholarship chart. You know, OU's got twenty five senior ish people. Um, okay, with COVID making all of this so fluid and hard to figure out, but they got twenty five ish seniors. You know, I it would be easy to project at least two or three guys legitimately going pro because of good years. Um, you know, maybe Stutzman and maybe Guyton coming to mind. So, and then, oh, he's going to have some tr- attrition transfer out. The freshman and sophomore classes, you know, on campus right now are, are going to push some of the, the, the third and fourth year people to decide they need to do something different, I think. So, OU, I think, could sign easily, easily end up with about 34 scholarships spots to fill and could do something like 28 high school players. And you know six key, uh, six key transfer players. But of course, you know we don't. I'm not figuring out who's going to transfer out is a is is a is a pointless errand. You know it, it doesn't do any doesn't do any favor to guys on the on the roster. No, and I agree. It'll, it'll it'll just it'll figure itself out. But I to think OU won't have any transfer out attrition after this season is is naive. Will it be a cattle? run like it's been the last two years, kind of. I, I don't think it will be. I think the roster is stabilizing to a certain degree. But you know, five or six wide receivers, you know, you're, you're signing, and, you know, and Terry Bussey would be the only way they'd go to six unless something strange happened with some, you know, like Bryant Wesco in November says, uh, you know, comes to his senses and figures out it's a really long trip to Clemson, South Carolina. And, it, and, and there's, you know, I got to, and, uh, you know, and it's 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 in South Carolina too. So, um, <laughs> and you know, comes comes to his conclusions to that. Sorry, I just drove through the state of South Carolina on my way to my North Carolina wedding, and it was the most horrible two hours of my life in a car. Um, You've never driven through Indiana, but uh, I have I have driven I have driven through Indiana. Take that comment back. I've driven from Atlanta <laughs> to Chicago and Chicago to Atlanta. So, sir. I know Indiana. I have been to Indiana. I have driven. I've I have driven through Gary, Indiana, six times, taking my life in my hands in the murder capital of the United States. I had New um, Orleans overtaken that, but uh, <laughs> just to like yeah. paint a picture, I, yeah. you know, I receiver. Like I, I agree. In I, you can't ever paint and say, "Hey, this kid's going to leave." But when you look at it, you know, right now they've got Jaden Gibson, right? He and you. Look at it this way. Gibson will be a junior when this class shows up, right? Jalil Farouk will be a senior when this class shows up. Nick Anderson will be a sophomore. Andrell Anthony will be a senior 
Uh, L.D. Bunkley Shelton was going into his redshirt junior year, uh, right? So he'll be he'll be a senior. D.J. Graham will have his COVID year if he wanted it, and you've got J.J. Hester who's going to be a redshirt junior. He'd be a senior, but he's also got a COVID year, so he's got two years. And he's also we, still in a boot. Yeah, I know. We, I feel bad for that kid. Yeah, I mean, uh, everybody's photographed at the retreat and swim shorts, he's a, and and he's, he's in a he's, boot. He's in a, a boot. scooter. Everybody, he's in a scooter. Everybody else is. You know, doing but, flips off a flips off a deck, and he's like, "I'm here in my scooter." Yeah, and then you'll have Brennan Thompson, right? Who I think is, I think he did. He he may have played in over four games last year. May have played in under. At yeah, most, he's, he's at most he's a sophomore. Yeah, most he's a sophomore, potentially yeah. a redshirt freshman. Yeah. But he, the other part of that is, you know, when you watch the offense, I, if we're just being really honest, and you take also what you hear of everything we've heard on Jock West Petaway is. He's probably going to emerge some point this year as potentially the best receiver on on the team. Maybe not, right? Maybe he's just number two. Uh, maybe Anthony, because you kind of hear the same thing that Anthony's got all the ability in the world and is just twitched up a little bit different than everybody else, minus uh, Jaquez. Uh, and I know Kale Gundy has talked about Nick Anderson is an NFL guy. If he's just healthy, he's an NFL guy. But reality is there's not enough balls to go around for those upperclassmen. You know, if LV Bunkley Shelton, if DJ Graham, if JJ Hester, if Jaden Gibson, if they are passed up by Petaway, if Andrew Anthony's eating up those catches, if Nick Anderson emerges, right? If those things happen, it's not realistic, I don't think, that all those guys are going to say, hey, you know what? I'll stick around another year and I'll fight through this same group plus, you know, Kearney. Right. I, I think it's uh it's it on the outside looking in, you see maybe four to five wide receivers you say, man, it's, that's that's too many. When you look at the roster, you say, Hey, they're they're looking forward and and not hoping that the right guy enters the portal. Yeah, because if one of you know, I've always viewed it kind of this way, Caleb, if one of the big one of the three big wide receivers breaks out, the other two are kind of gonna be like, Okay, this isn't maybe this isn't working for me here. I, yeah. I don't. I, I don't see a way. Both that I don't see a way that like all three of those guys break out. That would be that. That doesn't fit what we're being told or anything else about how they're going to distribute reps. So, yeah, and and you know historically, and I know I think Jeff said this uh, when he was when it was asked, uh, you know, in the spring. Hey, does it does this offense work better when you have an alpha and that one guy thousand? You know, a guy that's a thousand yard receiver, and when you look at the offense, like. Whether it's been, you know, uh, Art Bryles running it, it's been, you know, Tulsa, uh, I forget, uh, he was let go, but uh, that, you know, that coat anywhere, Syracuse and the system is run there, UCF at Tennessee. Maybe you'll get two guys. Oftentimes you'll have two guys that hit a thousand, but you, it's not, it's not like when you look at Texas Tech last year and their receiving room, you know, Bradley had 700 and they had like four other guys that had between 450 and and 650. Uh, that's not usually how it breaks out in this type of offense. It's, uh, you know, you'll have maybe two or three guys with the absolute bulk of it. And then, you know, it'll trickle out to the others in, in some smaller numbers. So you also have to factor in, you know, we only got one guy last year, Petaway. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. You no know, Brown now at community college. And, and uh-huh. zero signs of Jacoby Johnson moving to wide receiver. In fact, we're hearing the opposite. Yeah, the opposite. That he's looking that he's looking good at cornerback. And we know Brent's not going to give up a six three 
195 pound ball cornerback with ball skills and apparently is as fast as Gentry, Gentry Williams, which is like, you know, that puts him in the 4 4 territory. So, yeah, that was shocking like, when I heard that. But yeah, he's not giving, he's, that guy's not moving on. He, Brent's not giving up. Um, you know, if you can think about it, like the last OU receiver DB that was sort of that tall with that kind of ball skills was, was Andre Wolfork. Mm-hmm. And so it would have been Michael Hawkins, but we know that that story didn't end positively. So, um, right. But I mean, that's why that's one of the reasons Wolfork moved to, to, to cornerback was because they lost Michael Thompson to the car crash and, and, you know, and they thought Michael Hawkins was just going to come in and take over and it looked like he was. And then things went south, um, went south, uh, for him, just in a tough situation. But yeah, if you think about like a six, three, 185 pound cornerback with, awesome ball skills. Yeah. Brent's not giving that up. So it's pet away. And that's it. And the only other thing is there was a really good walk on um, preferred walk on wide receiver uh, that they brought in. Um, is it, was this name Palmer? It was, was the kid who put up like nearly 2000 yards receiving in Oklahoma football last year. Um, yeah. What was his name? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I forget. He was a, yeah. it's like new, was it was a town right? Yeah. He was, morning. Yeah, he was just he was just fantastic. Like, just put up numbers after numbers. So he's, you know, maybe he could pull a Gavin Freeman. But to your point, Caleb, not a lot of numbers in the last year, and still waiting for some production from the class before. Cody Johnson, got it. Okay, I think so. I pulled up Kyle's. Uh, depth chart slash walk on list, and Cody Johnson is from Noble. Was it like from Noble? I think. Uh, let me pull. Yeah, Noble in Newcastle. Yeah. So okay. Well, we'll we'll have our we'll have our homework better next week. We'll we'll yeah. We'll dig up, <laughs> we'll dig up that information. I wasn't expected to pull that name today. So, but still, then you're counting on a, a preferred walk on to be yeah, your second exactly. wide receiver. I mean, well, I mean, you can't they can't all be Gavin Freeman. You know, um, uh, Barry's favorite Bolitnikov uh, finalist. Uh, uh, choice right now. So, um, yeah, but I think, you know, Caleb's point as well, you know, OU, we could see, some, you know, there's, we could see some wide receiver carnage in the offseason. I think it's entirely possible. For sure. Um, well, let's, let's talk about some other positions uh, that, you know, we've, we've briefly mentioned O line before. Um, hopefully there's not a lot of carnage on the roster if, if we can't sign the offensive line class in this 2024 class that we think we we will, uh, hopefully there is no carnage there. But, Chris, let's do a quick check-in at O-line and then maybe follow up with defensive line and linebacker. Yeah, O-line, I mentioned those. It's Marquise Easley and Poe in the next two weeks. Then Bricks, who we think is going to fall by the end of July. Maybe oh, you can get him back to the party at the Palace. Uh, Eddie Pierre-Louis looks like he's going to extend his recruiting out maybe a little while. So there's some other people that want to get involved. Um, and then things get a little interesting. There's, I don't have any updates on Fox Crater. He visited, never heard anything other than he had a great time. And then he's still allegedly committed to Oregon. Okay. Uh, and then the Eugene Brooks is another name that's floating out there. We haven't heard a decision yet. That could be an OU Texas battle, I think. He's from California. He's from the same Chatsworth. He's from the same school as uh, Quasi Gilmer and Xavier Jordan. 
So USC was sort of floating around, but it looks like maybe it's an OU battle. Um, you know, and then after that, you know, there's still no offers. We've been seeing some follows. Um, nothing that screams offer immediately. But we do have a couple of in-state. There's three in-state kids that um, that have been mentioned on a couple of pod- other other podcasts and are floating around. And there's a couple other names that are floating around that maybe OU can re-engage with. One would be Jordan Seaton from the D.C. area. He seems to be so locked into Ohio State. I don't know why he hasn't committed yet. And maybe he's going to commit in the next day or two. I don't know. Probably I mentioned on his podcast that within five hours he commits to Ohio State. Uh, but he's, he visited OU on his own dime. He's called OU a dream school. He's had some connections with um, uh, with Trent Williams in the past, so that may be a name that that maybe maybe a name that reappears. And uh, at this point, I would definitely re- try and reengage with Liam Andrews, the name that Caleb mentioned uh, the week before. He's you know the one thing that does help OU in this situation is we haven't mentioned on this podcast yet, but OU. Now has 70 official visits to use. The NCAA bumped the number up from 56 to 70. So OU's not quite in the official visit uh, uh, problems that we mentioned on the podcast last week, where they may be down to like eight or nine. They now they now have basically about 20, 20 to 22 to use, which should work out between the, the portal and the guys that they, they still need to recruit. So... O-line still a mystery. By by July 31st, we'll either we'll either be having we'll either be joining the pitchfork crowd against Bill Beatenbow, or we'll be the, or we'll be eating maybe a small, 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 you know, single serving pie of of crow about because uh, you maybe he'll walk walk out of July with four with four guys and we'll be like, okay, well, I don't know why the you know everybody who panicked and bedwetted over this uh, slap yourself twice. Because uh, it all worked out, so it's it's where it is now. On D line, Williams Winery, you know, there's been some Georgia. Georgia's pulled ahead, kind of talk out there, but it looks like OU. You know, the longer he gets away from that visit, the OU connections are kind of rebuilding, and I think we're looking towards a, a commitment commitment date from him, which I think would be OU. I think Tennessee's fallen off, and there's nobody really else out there. David Stone, I, I just choose a date, David. And I think Patterson, McDonald, and Durham both announcing might help move that along if they choose OU. But either way, they're going to make their selections. But Caleb, I got a I got a football conspiracy theory for you here on Dominic McKinley. Okay? okay. All right. All right. So we've heard all the alleged rumors that LSU hasn't done a good job of this recruiting. The families, they've had some missteps with the family. The family hasn't clicked with LSU. So... He's saying he's going to announce at the Under Armour game. Okay. Now, if I was a Louisiana area player and I knew I was going to leave Louisiana, I wouldn't verbal early so that all this pressure would be applied to me. I would just sit there letting everyone think I'm going to choose LSU at the end. And then I would secretly sign early and announce for the out-of-state school at the Under Armour game. So basically, you don't have to deal with the LSU coaches making a late run at you or all of the all the external people saying, you need to go to LSU, you need to go to LSU. You're basically going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to LSU. I'm, I'm considering LSU. So basically, you just, you just drag out that long con 
and then you sign paperwork in secret and then you're off to, it's a dead period. No one can talk to you. doesn't matter if they want to try and talk to you. You've already signed with OU or Texas or A&M or wherever. And then you could make that announcement, you know, on the air at the Under Armour game. That's that's a way to get, that's a way to leave Louisiana and not be just, you know, pressured for three months by LSU people, you know, trying to, you know, trying to pressure you and trying to pressure your family and all that. You don't have to deal with any of that nonsense. You can just say, hey, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to probably, I'm going to visit LSU probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, LSU's in my top five. You know, he can just play that game and then, and then do the surprise sneak attack and leave and avoid all the uh, avoid all of the uh, the pressure in state. So that's my conspiracy theory on Dominic McKinley right now. And it trends to OU, so let's just call it what it is. It's more of a fantasy theory. But if he sticks to the <laughs> but this is what David Hicks was gonna do, right? He was gonna announce he was gonna announce at the Under Armour game and sign early. So maybe he's gonna AM. I don't know. Um, but I think if you're gonna if you were to try and Leave Louisiana with as big a recruit as you are. This is your path to it. I think that could be it. Uh, you know, I've, I've read that he's, and I think this is true, right? Not that he wasn't a late bloomer, but he was just a late find for some folks. He didn't, you know, he was one of these kids that didn't go to tons of camps. And Oh, you found him out. first. Somebody tipped yeah. off Bates. We offered him before everybody else. I was like, yeah. who and in the hell is this? Who in the hell is five this guy? Star, How yeah, in the hell is he not a top 30 guy. player in the nation? Looking at his film, I'm like, who, who the hell is this guy? No, he looks. Yeah, he he looks like a future first round draft pick on yeah, the hoof. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a he's he's a freaky kid. There, that could be it. I would always think, you know, maybe. Uh, part of me just thinks like, hey, if you're going to go out of state, do like the little Manning did, and just pull the trigger, and then just shut it off. Just be like, all right. You know, leave me alone. I'm not going to talk to any reporters after I do this. And every time a newspaper calls, you know, I'm not going to talk to them either. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, any coaches call for those. No for those, no since we don't have YouTube yet, Caleb just flipped, just flipped off the, just just flipped everybody off. So, well, I, um, yeah, I'm just meaning like, you know, that's what you tell. But that's what you tell all the reporters and coaches. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's make so your easy. decision. Although it's a lot easier said at our age when you've yeah. gone through lots of things in life and you've had to make hard decisions and have really difficult conversations. And in hindsight, you, once you had them, you're like, that wasn't that difficult. I built that up. Like, I suffered more in my mind than I did in reality. Uh, so, you know, maybe, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, I will say if he drags it out, everything that the staff and Brent has said they are about is relationships. So you right. would think, that that plays in Oklahoma's favor in one regard, although the uh, Oklahoma having shot their shot as a for an OV official visit in June could come back to burn them a little bit. But so did Texas, and and I think A and M did as well. So and, and Ohio State. Yep, all of the all the players. So so Matt, the, the word last- we had the word we had was it was Oklahoma Texas. Yes, going and, in, going into the visits after he left, even Ohio State and A and M, the word was, "Hey, it's Oklahoma and Texas from our sources." Yeah. yeah. So Matt, the last name out there is really Zena uh, Musalu or Zoo, um, and he's he's visited Texas. I, I would presume he's going to be with Texas, but you know he has a lot of connections with this OU group, especially Nigel Smith and Michael Hawkins, and um, you know he knows a lot of those guys, so. That's an interesting name, you know, to keep floating out there because OU 
ideally wants three defensive ends. They've got Gilmore. Let's hope they get Winery because I'm not ready for the meltdown if they don't. Um, and then if they could get either Okoye or Umazulu, that would be that's a stout three defensive end threesome. So he's still floating out there, and I'm not sure if he's someone you, you would auto take or not. And uh, Jaden Jackson is also out there, and he's maybe an OU, Ohio State, and uh, OU, sorry, Texas battle. He's the the nose guard, David Stone's teammate at IMG. And uh, that's that's an interesting battle. Oh, you got the official visit in. Um, he would be a good fit at nose guard. He's very athletic. He His name's Jaden Jackson, but I clearly based upon his posts, he's um, he's Polynesian of some, you know, Polynesian Samoan. I don't know if he's Hawaiian, Polynesian or Samoan, but obviously uh, based upon the, some of his posts, where he's talking about his family, the the names are, the, the names appear to be Poly- Polynesian, you know, uh, Pacific Island sort of descent. So he's he's really athletic. He would be a big nose guard and would, would fit in nicely. In Texas, just got Alex January, uh, the big defensive tackle from Duncanville, and they pick they're about to pick up another three star defensive tackle. So they're starting to get a little full of that position. And Ohio State is sadly cleaning up again in D line recruiting. They got Justin Scott from. Chicago uh, from Michigan, and it looks like they're going to get Edric Houston from Georgia, and it looks like they're going to get the uh, five-star top 10 kid uh, edge rusher Dylan Stewart from the D.C. area. But they got Chase Young from that area, so that's not, that's not the world's biggest surprise that they might be able to pull that out. But still, that's three five-star defensive linemen to go with their uh, two five-star uh, wide receivers. So Ohio State recruiting not going anywhere. So. The last position that's kind of really out there, I think, Matt, is linebacker. And it's it's strictly speaking, based upon the intel we have, it's Braden Platt or Bust. I don't think I don't see them taking another linebacker if they don't get Braden Platt and or the opportunity to, to flip Peyton Pierce doesn't happen. And right now that flipping someone from Ohio State doesn't seem like really very possible. So here's a question for you, because uh, I haven't. I found it interesting that I think everybody had Platt pegged. He's going to go to Oregon. He's got yeah. that official visit. He'll come out of that. And he talked about wanting to have a decision quick. Well, he leaves that visit. No chatter. You see the interviews. It's like, hey, it was a good visit. And then he says, oh, I'm going to announce. I think it's like August 4th or September 4th. Well, it, it's his mother's birthday. Yeah. He's uh, like, I'm going to, I'll wait and I'll do it then. Uh, I've, I've heard maybe that Oregon didn't. They thought they would, and they they came away being like, Ugh, I don't, don't think we actually blew him away like we thought and closed out Oklahoma. Uh, what do you give OU's chances? Yeah, I mean, it just – it screams – okay, so it's September 4th. I want to, in my head, decide by – in an article with um, Sports Illustrated, he says he wants to decide by September 4th. Okay. So that means – now, again, if he shows – now, the – so, Matt, one of the big tip-offs for us in the next three weeks are going to be 24 kids who show up at the party at the Palace but aren't committed. Because last year, that's when OU picked up, like, you know, that's when OU got a lot of momentum and closed, like, the last four or five big players in that class. So, if Braden Platt shows back up at the, the party at the Palace, if I'm an Oregon fan, I'd be like, yeah, we're, we're losing that guy. Um, and I know you track and field is not so bad that he 
you know, oh, you could probably the track and field guys could probably spend a lot of time with Braden again on when he if he comes back to Norman and say, yeah, you know, you, you we've got no problem with you taking doing track and field and and uh, we've we've got we've got you know we've got a, we've got good coaches in that we're 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 certainly respectable in this area. It's not like. Well, he he's a field event guy, and just for reference, like Oregon, Oregon not, yeah. is not a big field event school. They have nobody that ha- participates in any of the throws that is in the top yeah. 100 in the country. Uh, this past year, Oklahoma's got two kids in lacing the shot put, and I think you know, they're in the yeah, top so 30. I, so I don't so, think it's as big a liability as like you know going up against LSU and Arkansas for sprinters, right? I mean, those, yeah, those programs. Came you know, yeah. Well, that's, that's something we're going to, you know, but OU's had some decent sprinters over the years. It's not been terrible, but. Right. So, but that, but Matt, we're not hearing any of the names or any other offers at linebacker. And other than Peyton Pierce, I can't think of any other prospect that really moves the needle at, at linebacker because OU's got some good linebacker depth now. So you, if you're gonna nest as kind of your dev guy, the other guy needs to play. And if he can't move the if he can't push uh Kanek and McKenzie and Carter and Omicigo, then then why bring him in? Wait another year and get some more distance in and bring in some players. There's a there's a you know a couple of good, really good linebackers in Texas for for 2025 that OU's kind of targeting. Um so and and in California as well. So I think that's our that's our defensive position kind of roundup. We're 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 waiting on Platt, and we're waiting for the big D line names to to drop. Um, Nigel Smith, everything pointing towards OU, and he's choosing September 9th because that's when Melissa's stadium is being unveiled. New stadiums being, you know, they're going to play a game in their new stadium. So he's 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 doing right by his high school program, and you've got to he's certainly got to respect that. So, but I think OU's in a great position for. For Nigel Smith. All right. Well, that's certainly some names to track over the next month or two. Uh, stick to the board over at Sooners 360 for the latest updates on Platt and some of those other defensive guys and some O-line guys as well. So we'll be tracking all that. Um, Chris, you know, we, we talked about all these guys tonight. Has Is OU stalling? Are we building momentum behind the scenes? What What's your pulse on what's going on right now? Well, it, obviously, they picked up four commitments in like the last two weeks. So part of you wants to say, momentum's starting to go. You know, um, I'm, I, you know, I, I, I took philosophy in college, so uh, you'll have to excuse me this example. There's a, you know, there's the tale of Sisyphus, which is talked about in philosophy. And he's the, the Greek guy who's constantly rolling the boulder up the hill. And he's cursed by the gods to roll this boulder up the hill, only to see it roll back down, uh, roll back down the hill. So, what are you showing us on your phone there? Oh, he's he's got it on his background. Is it, you have Sisyphus as your background. All right. So, <laughs> recruiting momentum is a little bit like Sisyphus rolling the boulder up the hill here. So, I got to use my my fancy liberal arts education uh, uh, for something. So, it's a little bit like you know, are we are we for those four commits, did we roll it up the, or did we roll the boulder up the hill, or did you see it roll back down? Because it feels like O line recruiting might 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 be killing our killing our momentum right now. So I think we have some momentum, but the real momentum hits if we can get Mitchell, Tatum, and an offensive lineman. Then I think everything starts to take off, 
And I think maybe one of the five-star D-line, either Stone or Winery says, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and make a decision. And once that happens, I think, you know, things really start to click and and really start to click for OU and the other kids and the party at the palace, build some momentum up to the party at the palace, lock some kids in there and 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 go. But it's I'll, I'll be honest, I'm as hopium positive a recruiting guy as you can find at times. But even I've been kind of like wondering, is is and I'll be blunt here, is, is this shit all about to fall apart? Um, but we know the defensive coaches are confident about where they are. And they're certainly not making any other offers. There are no new linebacker offers. Bates has some D-line offers kind of in the on the on the back burner. But it, it I think the, the key is if you can get Mitchell and he and when he verbally commits, he's like, Yeah, I'll be announcing a reclassification soon. And then you can if you can get Tatum on board quickly and then win one of these O-line battles, just just one of them to get to two, that maybe gives us a hope that a three, a third and a fourth are, are possible. So yeah, that's but, kinda that's my read on the situation right now. Well, we just but, lost but. JJA to Georgia, but, but we knew but, that was coming. Yeah, that's not that's not so that's not did, a that's not a momentum blow. Right, right. I just wanted to throw that out there because he did just commit to Georgia as we are live recording. So which I, which I we knew was hopefully happening. hopefully, you know, does something about, you know, you know, ah, whatever. Um, you know, it's uh it's Hopefully, you know, that, that puts Georgia at 24 kids. They'll be at 25 kids tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, they can't. They literally can't. I mean, you know, can they sign a 33-player high school class like they're trending? I, I guess it's possible. But, yeah, I mean, the, the, the JJA thing doesn't help, right? Two months ago, that looked like an OU battle that they were winning for a top 40 defensive lineman who might be a five-star by the end of the year. Yeah, it, that's a blow. It's but we've been we're ready for that blow. We're not if the two five-star D line goes south, then this class is not top five and will struggle to be in the top ten. That's just the way it yeah. is. Yeah, I think that's what it I think I think I'm of two streams of consciousness here. One is like the having followed this long enough and, and following Oklahoma, true question, like it's never gonna be good enough. Oklahoma could go hit Mitchell. They could hit Stone. They could hit Nawari in the next week and a half. And if they lose easily and if they lose Poe, people will be pissed. Uh, you know, it, and even if, even if they hit easily, if they lose Poe, it's, you know, it's that whole, you know, it's kind of never good enough. But I also, you know, I think from a realistic perspective, it, it feels like a lot of this just comes down to Stone and Nawari simply because they are both. It's been, you know, obviously PJ was a five-star defensive end, you know, uh, but everyone, you're going into a line of scrimmage league and you bring in Todd Bates, best defensive line coach in the country, uh, you know, and you bring in Brent Venables, best defensive coordinator, last 10 years, one of the best for the last 20. You want to build up the defense and you're you- leading for these two guys for this period of time. Like if you can't close on them at the end and, you know, just a, a – Three-hour trip to Athens by himself flips Noary, and a stone just decides. Ah, I just want to go somewhere else because I like to troll everybody, and that's my second favorite thing to do. Then you start going like, "Okay, this has come. This has come off the rails." I don't think that will happen, but uh, you know, I mean, what's uh, what's Elon Musk say? The most likely outcome is the most entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, and and yeah. you know nothing. 
against some of these recent commits like Carry On and Izukama. They're just not those high profile guys. No, so they're, they're good guys. There's no juice to them though. Yeah, it's not it's not really gonna move the needle, especially Chris, like you mentioned, this this offensive line cloud that's hanging around. Um, it's really putting a damper on everything else, you know, carry on. Yeah, yeah. If, if, and, and if Noweri verbals and we've lost a couple of O-line, who cares, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can't, you, I can, I can't find, I know, I know Caleb, but, but you agree with me that like, look, five-star D-line versus top 100 O-line, it's just a very different eval pitcher, right? No, 100%. Like, I've we, we, could, about, like, we could, we could, we could, we could find three really good, Guys with senior film this fall that Bill signs and be like, hey, you know, put them through the car wash. They, you know, I mean, again, Tyler Guyton could be the first offensive lineman taken in the NFL draft. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a defensive lineman tight end in high school. I mean, it just, yeah. it just, it's just full of these stories. Um, we, we've been throwing some film around and, you know, and Caleb and I are like, yeah, it's kind of raw, but you, you never know. Like, hey, now that guy's got a good frame. You never know. It's just, but D-line, it's like they're unicorns. That's why everybody wants them because big guys that move that fast are – there's like four of them in a class, right? And we got one last year, right? And Noweri would be another one. And then David Stone would be a third. Once you've got three guys like that, if you're bringing in top 100 good guys around them, right? you know, and I think the back seven talent has is, is been upgraded significantly. Overall, with Vickers, Wagner, uh, Jacoby, Jacoby yeah. Gentry oh, Williams, Robert Spears Jennings, Peyton yeah. Bowen. You know, and we think the linebacker core is like, Brent needs to fire himself if he can't get those athletic athletes hitting people and, and making big plays everywhere, right? I mean, the song looks like a million dollars. Kenzie does. We're hearing great things on Carter and Omasigo. I mean, it's like, but it's the and we've been hearing good things on the ends too. RMT and uh, Adaware. I have not heard anything on Taylor Wine, but doesn't mean anything. So it's like, you know, if you can get a Tommy or a Gerald on the inside and another end, it's okay. With Jackson Arnold, we can we can compete with this, right? Because if OU picks up those kind of five stars, there'll only be three teams. In the SEC with five-star quarterbacks and three to four five-star defensive linemen. It would be OU, Georgia, and Alabama with LSU kind of close, but they haven't quite landed an elite quarterback lately. Well, they might get this Underwood kid for 25, but we still think Sperry will have something to say about the top quarterback in that class. So, yeah, but it's it's it seems, yeah, I mean, I mean Caleb's right. We're just, we're waiting for, just that one guy, but man, we just need somebody with some juice. And it could be Taylor Tatum, right? Who's a five star now uh, on three. Sorry, two four seven composite is calling him the number thirty three player in the nation and a five star. So it could be just you know just a little bit of juice here. Dev, you know Devon Mitchell, what he, if he gets re ranked, he could be like a top fifty player. And then all of a sudden, you know, you got your offensive juice and skill position guys, and let's just get some defensive playmakers. So, well, we'll. You know, keep monitoring those guys on the board again. Um, we should have a we should have a uh, uh, momentum meter on the on the on the website recruiting momentum meter. Like you know, oh, that's it, interesting. Then it goes up, it goes down. Like you know, 
tied in with uh, the the sports or the uh, recruiting recruit betting site. That's that that's we're, right, which we're working we're on. Together. Yeah, that'll be launched in the next month, folks. Everybody, <laughs> you'll be about to be able to make illegal recruiting bets on the progress of sixteen and seventeen year olds choosing colleges very soon. Bitcoin and, accepted. Bitcoin accepted, and um, if there is anybody from any illegal cartels out there that wish to help us uh, plan this, uh, please let me know. That's uh, that's CM underscore Sooners360 on Twitter. Go ahead and DM me. <laughs> well, all jokes aside, uh, you know, we've got a lot of names that we're still waiting on. Uh, next month or two will be very interesting. So head on over to the board. Always got to plug the board. A lot of good activity over there. Uh, Chris, uh, do you want to kind of finish this off on this uh, this episode? Yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll step outside recruiting a little bit uh, and talk a little college football. Yeah, so we've 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 basically killed our commitment predictions and class predictions. I think for a little while. So I thought we'd we since we all have lots of football opinions and think we're football geniuses. So I thought we'd take a little bit and take a little bit of the attack the Big Twelve preseason rankings that dropped today from some different perspectives. So uh, it's in the notes there for you guys. Uh, thanks, Matt, for adding that. So we'll let Caleb go first because I let Matt go first, I think, on the last thing. So Caleb, looking at this, and it's kind of obvious what you're answering, and everyone can have to do their own answer here. Who is the most overranked team in the, in the, the media Big 12 rankings? He's, he's thinking hard. He is. TCU. Okay. All right. And and do you think that primarily because of who they lost? I think it's a combination. I think it's uh, so they lost and, you know. They were on a heater last year, right? They were on a heater. Yeah, it's a combination of everything, right? So they were on a heater last year. They lost their offensive coordinator, who was the best offensive coordinator in the country last year. So he's not there anymore. Uh, and he, he really did some unique things. Uh, the other part of that heater they were on, they played on the knife's edge. Right, the exact same knife's edge that Oklahoma played on. That the Oklahoma just, the, well, even last year, oh, sorry, right? yeah, they yeah, just, yeah. yeah, Oklahoma fell on the, on the wrong side of it. Where you know, hey, Oklahoma lost all these, you know, games. Fell on by, that knife. Fell on that knife. Right. Uh, in TCU, you know, so to see them lose coaches and the difference makers, right, and then know like, hey, you were within. You could, they could have easily lost five or six games last year. Just as easily lost six games as they went and only lost two, right? So yeah, yeah I think TCU, I think they're I think they're given the respect there for for that reason. Yeah, and okay. just for reference, TCU is at number five. Yep. And they got three first place votes. Yeah. So Matt, Caleb's Pauls gave you more than enough time to have a snappy answer. <laughs> so who do you think is overranked? Um you know, TCU was was somebody I was kind of looking at. You could choose TCU if you want. Uh, well, I think Texas Tech at four with four first place votes is a very interesting spot for them. You know, in the pre-show, Caleb mentioned he's kind of doing my homework for me that, Caleb, what was the number 20 out of the 22 are transfers? Yeah. Is that what it was? Oh, it, it, yeah, it's insane. So, I. Uh, Nineteen. So they only start three guys on the offense that are not transfers. Uh, defensively, they start, I think, three guys that are not uh, that are not transfers. 
Paxton, I, I mean, I think back two, two guys on off, on defense. So their entire defense is just transfers, uh, yeah, and, and just a handful of guys on offense that that aren't transfers. Like it's been, it's it's. And I actually, I probably would go with you there uh, because surprisingly enough, when you dig into the numbers, they were horrible on defense last year. Yeah, they were when you bad. actually look at all the statistics. Everybody looked at Oklahoma and was like, oh, Oklahoma's this terrible defense. Actually, when you run the numbers, it's like, how come Texas Tech is right beside them in every category? Uh, <laughs> well, you know, and, and they, they lost. I, I just, it's, so it's hard. Yeah. You know, yeah, terrible D. They, yeah, they lose a top. Was he top five, top 10? Well, he's top the best, best Texas Tech NFL defensive draft pick in what, like 15 years? Yeah, and yeah, maybe honestly, I, I should have maybe I longer. Went with tech. I probably should have went with Tech. You, you beat me there because I, all, right. I, all the information I've got in front of me. But yeah, all right. Well, I'm going to go with a very easy choice here. They are the seventh ranked team in this poll. <laughs> they are the Oklahoma State Aggies. That roster is in complete turmoil. Alan Bowman hasn't played quarterback for three years, and even when he did, he he wasn't great. He's a he's a walking ambulance. Injury waiting to happen. And he's been like the four-string quarterback at Michigan. And all you have to do is like hand the ball off to a running back and be successful. So, uh, and their their transfer portal losses were terrible. Their coaching replacements were just odd. So I will, my, I will say my, this. My Gundy, does, my Gundy does usually spins, you know, something out of nothing. But I think even, the, I think this is going to test Test uh, if they had if they had Spencer Sanders, I'd be like, oh yeah, no problem. They're like fifth or sixth, right? That's fine. He's a difference maker. He's a difference maker at quarterback. He, yeah, but Bowman, I mean, right? I mean, again, we're talking right now. I mean, he may have a good year and they may be better. But if I was saying right now, I don't know how you have Oklahoma State uh, ahead of UCF, Kansas, and uh, the defense of Iowa State. Yeah, I will say this in their defense. They're an odd, it's an odd one to try to get a, a gauge on to, for me because I think they're starting they're starting eleven on both sides of the ball. When you look at it, it is mostly there's there's a transfer here and there's a transfer there, but it is mostly Oklahoma State kids that have been in their program. And of all the guys, I think Mike Gundy is unique where everybody kind of. Like Bill Bebo, you can make this argument a little bit, right? You can say like, oh, he doesn't recruit the stars as it relates to – he doesn't land the five stars that he should. And it's like, well, if he's pumping out draft picks, were those other guys really five stars? Right? So to me, I think this is where you get into the argument of I think the recruiting services when it comes to low-end four stars and the three stars as a whole, I don't think they scout any of them with any real due diligence. Yeah, and so I think it's really hard to know like what his three stars are compared to yeah, you know, Baylor's. But there's, their recruiting has slipped a little bit. They used to get some Texas guys that you'd be like, yeah, man, that's a really good pickup. And that has been happening a little bit less. Um. Yeah. And some of their in-state guys, it's like, you know, haven't always been getting some of the in-state guys they used to get. I mean, I, I just think that's a vulnerable roster with a lot of chaos on it, in and out, and then coaching staff changes as well. There's not a lot of continuity there, and and it and and maybe it's just a, a, a maybe it's a bad observer opinion. It just looks like Gundy's kind of phoning it in. Well, I mean, it's kind of the same argument for Tech, right? Like. Tumultuous roster, yeah, but I, but McGuire's new, right? He's on yeah, the, that's true. He's on the up, 
I mean, Gundy's See, been there a long that's, time. That's where, to me, I wonder how much bias plays in, right? Yeah, it I does, feel like maybe. I feel like with uh, McGuire, it's creeping in positively, and with Gundy, it creeps in negatively. Where you look at yeah. McGuire, you're like, I really believe in this guy. Then I look at the numbers, and I'm like, boy, they were really lucky to be what they were. Uh, and then yeah, Oklahoma maybe it's, State. Maybe it's just my desire just to – as an OU fan to just the last season we're in the big 12 to have OSU just be, you know, to be, to suck ass. Now the nice way to, nice way to like, nice way to leave the, leave the conference. Like, yeah, losers. Yes. Suck it. (laughs) Um, So that's my choice there. All right. Well, I'm going to go with the, I'm going to go with the under ranked team. And this is going to sound stupid. And there's a little more bias here. My brother's a KU grad. So I usually only ever get to talk basketball with him because KU football is bad. With their quarterback and their skill people on offense, I, I don't know how Kansas is number nine. If I would be scared silly by that quarterback, I, I don't know how they're nine. They're ninth in the poll. And then to me, they have a scary, scary quarterback who could win, win in, a, in, a, in a grab bag, middle of the pack, Big 12, could win them a lot of games. Yeah, They should have won that bowl game. They, they were... They gave it away at the beginning because I think they were so not used to being in a bowl game. And in the second half, they were cutting in and getting close to coming back in that. So I think that quarterback is that quarterback is dangerous. He is a dangerous kid. Yeah, that's probably a good pick. I, I'd probably say the same. Um, I think some guys or some schools like BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, I think they've had a, a rough last you know year or two, especially Cincinnati with – their coach leaving and a lot of turnover on that roster. So I think some of those those guys and a, and a, and a suspect kind of higher, right? Because yeah, Satterwhite was on his way to getting canned at Louisville, right? So, so like, oh, I'll jump somewhere else, make some more money. Then you you know you look a little higher than them at Iowa State, and they've kind of been trending down the last uh, two years. I think Matt Campbell uh, that that novelty is kind of wearing off a little bit. So Kansas, I mean, that's that's not a bad bad pick with with that quarterback um you know we know what quarterbacks can do in college so uh, i'll agree with you and go with kansas caleb who do you like as who do you think is the most underranked team the team you think is going to sneak up past their rating so it could be one of the bottom teams if you want then choose whoever you want uh, I, I'm, it's funny i i kind of want to choose byu okay uh, but I'm not going to. <laughs> well, the reason I want to choose BYU, I actually, when you look at them, you know, they got the transfer tackle ETN from Oklahoma State, and their other tackle is a really good player. He was a highly recruited kid that signed with Oregon. And yeah, he's showing second. up in some draft, some mock draft stuff, right? Really athletic kid at left tackle. Uh, they have no depth though historically, and I, when you look at BYU, what they've done a good job of, like in the past, they would pass maybe decade, right? They'll play Baylor and Oregon and Notre Dame and Arkansas in these teams in the regular season, but they usually spread them out, right? And it's like, hey, they play one double A, they play and they play Idaho, and then they'll go play Arkansas. So they kind of can get up for that game. You look at their schedule, like when they've actually had back to back Power Five, you know, and had those run of them, and they've really struggled. So I think they'll get beat up. The team that I actually I would put I think is underranked is, is UCF. Uh, they're making some noise on the recruiting trail right now. Yeah, I mean, they're they they kind of went portal heavy on offensive line. Uh, don't know if that'll help them or hurt them. You know, I mean, backups from other Power Five schools. I don't know, but 
you know, if they don't turn, if that quarterback does not turn the ball over, you know, they've got two receivers that are former top 120 players in the country that are transfers from Alabama and Auburn that both went over like 750, 800 last year. Their quarterback is one of the best dual threat guys, can really run. And then defensively, they're athletic, where I think some of the other schools, you know, don't I just think UCF is as far and away the most athletic. A bunch of, of three them. stars from Florida. You just end up with a bunch of talent, right? Yeah, they just got a bunch of guys that are, you know, and even like when you look, when we did, when I did the breakdown for them with Blake uh, of their roster, you know, like for instance, you know, SMU was uh, in the same conference, the American with them. We look at SMU's defensive backs and it's like, well, they're all under six foot. Well, then you looked at like, you know, at, UCF, it's like, oh wait, only one kid's under six two. Like you know, they're just, uh, I, they're. I think they'll do well. Gus smells on. I think mean, that's fair, honestly. <laughs> when 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 someone, I can't remember. I wish I could remember who it was on the board asked and said, "Hey, can you give us an idea of how was Brent done against Gus?" My first thought was like, when you really look at Brent's defense, this is historically if teams that really want to run the ball, like he excels. Like that's what his defense is built to do. It's aggressive on stop the run. Uh, and man, he has absolutely destroyed Gus Malzahn in the two times he has played him at, at Clemson. I think they gave up like, do you remember Matt? Like 117 and 125 in total yards. Well, it was Paris Auburn both times, right? Yeah, it was, it was, it was brutal. I mean, I, mean, I think Auburn may have scored like 10 or, and I think the one game they might have scored 10. The other one was three. I mean, it's, yeah. And, and two games against Brent. Uh, Malzon has put up about 225 yards of offense <laughs> and about you know 18 points. It's just right. a, it's an old offense. I mean, it it doesn't really work anymore. I don't think That's you fair. may need you may need to, you may need a, a level of distance and athletes that he just doesn't have, especially not in the SEC. There's no you know Cam what? Newton you, on that roster. No, I was going to say you may bring up a really good point. And me saying they're underrated, they could get smoked as they go into the Power Five with, you know, lesser talent against Power Five. They could get rolled up. Okay, so bottom line here, give me your top four. Matt, go first. Who are your top four teams? Well, I think three of them are easy. Texas, I'd probably put OU behind them. Uh, we have a lot to prove. Texas kind of does too, honestly. Uh, and Kansas State, uh, they're, they're in that top three. Caleb, again, did my homework in the pre-show talking about their returning starters on the offensive line and on defense as well. But offensive line stuck out. You said 900 snaps? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, Kansas State, they've every they return all offensive linemen and the the mo- the minimum number of snaps was their left tackle at nine oh nine. Well, that's that's what they do. They control the line of scrimmage, they run the ball, uh, you know, they they lose uh Vaughn, but you know, with that offensive line, you can probably find a guy to run behind it. So they've got an FSU transfer, is that right, Caleb? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Treshawn Ward came over from Florida State. Yeah. I think they'll be good there. I, I just don't know if he's got the same, you know, uh big play, like, big play. Make a big play yeah. when they need it. Yeah. Yeah, pull 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 nothing out of pull something yeah. out of nothing, like yeah, little sprolls junior did. And then after that, I mean, it's kind of tough to put a fourth team in there. We talked about Texas Tech. We talked about TCU. Baylor, I think they took a step back last year. Is, is that a team under Dave Aranda that can 
kind of get back into the mix. I know quarterback was a question a little bit last year. Um, I think they lost. Did they really lose anybody? I mean, they that might be a team that ends they, up surprising well, us at the end of the year. I think they lost a decent, more than you would have thought on the defensive line, particularly like uh, Sione Siaki, who really yeah, controlled that huge nose guard. He's gone. I think they lost. There was another one of their their defensive ends that was uh, – yeah. He probably wasn't the most productive guy, but he was 6'7", 280 pounds. It looked like a superhero. Uh, he's gone. And then they also lost uh, Doyle, the uh, all-conference middle linebacker. Uh, that's right. Uh, so, the transfer from Iowa, right? Maybe Okay, maybe not. Tra- yeah, yeah. So, uh, no. Maybe not, uh, maybe not uh, Baylor. Um, boy, I don't know. Kansas. Right. It could be Kansas. <laughs> All right. Uh, Caleb, who's your top four? I'm going to piss you off. Give me a sec. Watch this. Texas, I think it clearly have to be the number one, just given uh, what they have returning in offensive line. Their defense got so much better in year two under uh, Coach K. Uh, I will say there's some interesting stuff when you watch uh, yours, and I know he's been projected to go top ten. Like those guys have not watched any film. Like you go watch uh, QB school, uh, JT O'Sullivan. He breaks down Ewers and their bowl right. game, and like the thing that it jumps out and he kind of harps on it a lot. If he cannot throw in rhythm, that guy's feet fall apart. If he can throw in rhythm and you know it's timed up just right, and he can you know anticipate, he's good. Which will be interesting to see, like defensive coordinators pick up on that and really start to play, like whether it's man or matchup zone, to be really aggressive with the Texas receivers to try to get him out of out of rhythm, make him hitch. If he does, his feet fall apart, uh, and they don't have Bijan. Still, they would be my one. Oklahoma would be my two. Kansas State would be my three. Oklahoma State will be my four. All right. Well, I'm Whoa. gonna. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, here's my here's my thing, and we with Kyle, we had this discussion, right? Of all the of all the head coaches, like, and I get it. A lot of people dislike Gundy. If you just look at resume, and rem- and you're you're old enough, like myself, right? And it, you can remember what Oklahoma State football was before Mike Gundy. I made fun of the hire. I thought he would fail first year when he cleaned house with Les's guys, and they fell apart. I thought, ha ha ha, and then he got it right. I'm just not going to doubt the guy because over the last 15 years, really 10, I guess, uh, maybe 15, Oklahoma State has been far and away the second best program in the Big 12. All right. So I'm going to go K-State, Texas, Oklahoma, and I'm going to go Baylor because of this whole bad year, good year Baylor thing has going on. Mm. Right? They're bad, they're good. They're bad, they're good. And Aranda's a good coach. I give him a lot of credit. And I just think the Big 12 is a giant. I think it's anything better at quarterback play. He Defensively, he, he doesn't get exposed that much um, overall. So I'll go with, I'll go with the, uh, the Baylor Bears. Having a, and they don't play Oklahoma. Do they play Texas? That's a good question. So I think there's some... There's some the only thing I, I don't know, there's some schedule nuance going on here, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of and where that's, teams. And that's, that's one of the reasons I picked Oklahoma State. Yeah. As, uh, uh, Kyle brought it up. Their schedule is, is, is terrible in, in the Big it's 12. A, it's, a, it's a group of five schedule. It's the same same as OU's, OU's six of the seven of the bottom eight. 
All right. So give me. I think they actually avoid Texas. Yeah. Baylor, Baylor plays Texas at home. Okay. All right. So give me your bottom two. Just the two teams that are going to be. If this was English Premier League, who's getting relegated out of the Big Twelve? You guys are familiar with how that that works, right? How relegation works. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, so, Houston no. is moving back to the AAC, and West Virginia is moving back to the Big East, even though it doesn't exist anymore. All right. So, Caleb, in, in English soccer, the bottom two teams get relegated to the league below, and the two best teams from the other league move up. So, it's called relegation, and it's a fascinating thing. And it's well, I don't understand. Like, what do you mean by leagues? Well, there's different. They don't have the, one league. Well, well, but with football, college football is about to have uh, tiers of football. So, so basically, let's just say you were, so, so you know, you've heard the big name, the big teams like you know Tottenham, Manchester City, Arsenal, Man United, Liverpool, right? You heard, you know those. I've heard names. like I've heard a couple of those. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> all right. So basically, they're like so many teams in the Premier League, and then below it is a, another group of English football. And then there's below that, there's like three other leagues, right? So there's like a first division, a second division, third division, and fourth division of football, okay? So they're so, all, but but they're all uh, uh, and, under the same the, governing body? On the same, yeah, the same association. So if you're good, you move up. And if you suck, you move down. So essentially, so, you know, so Matt, Matt had it. So who are your two teams that the Big 12 should relegate back to the American or or the WAC or well, sorry, the WAC. people like this stuff. I mean, yeah, how yes. do you even, how do you how do you even respect athletes who don't use their hands? Like it's you know what I mean. It's like my kids kick rocks. My kids kick rocks. You know what I mean? No, no, like no. it's just no, no. You don't like bas- <laughs> you don't like basketball either. So all right, so so that's a, that, all they do is use their hands. So you got your arguments bad. So just who are the two worst teams in the Big Twelve going to be? Okay, so I will go. I'll go Houston one. Actually, I hate to do both, like former and current Dana Holberson schools. West Virginia, I, I will give them one. They, uh, they're. I think they're going to struggle. You know, they've got Green at quarterback, and we saw last year. I know he came in and beat Oklahoma. Uh, it's because for whatever reason, Dylan Gabriel's arm decided not to work that day. Uh, but he can't throw the ball. So West that Virginia one. <laughs> well, that was we only, that was we a, only have so much time, Matt. That was an sorry. odd one. Sorry, right? sorry. <laughs> uh, so yeah, give me give me West Virginia and the other one. I'm honestly give me Kansas. Okay, all right. So it's I'm, funny because you could argue they have the best quarterback and the best uh, running back in the league. You could really make that argument. They're definitely boomer bust. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So. I'm going to continue with my Aggie hate fest. Bring it on, OSU fans, if you're listening to this podcast. I think Gundy's going down. Every trick in the book is going to fall off, and they are looking at a terrible season with uh, Gunner Gundy being their starting quarterback after Alan Bowman, sadly, is uh, either ineffective or uh, you know his injury proneness, uh, unfortunately, strikes back. So OSU and... Uh, OSU and Houston. I think those are your bottom, your bottom of the barrel battle teams. Uh, I don't know how Hogo is making five million a year. It's just it's grand larceny. Um, can I can I yeah, change that? Can I go ahead and take West Virginia and Houston? 
because I forgot I did my Houston preview, and I know everybody's <laughs> really high on Donovan Smith, but when you look at his passing numbers, I don't know why people are really high on Donovan Smith. Because then, like, you look at like Thune, I think his name was at 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 Houston, and he had yeah that yeah, offense, yeah 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 he had that offense rolling, but it was all it was all through the air, right? It get, it's built to throw the ball, so uh, how yeah. that how that marriage is going to work, I, I just don't know. And Holgerson's kind of just fallen off the last few years, right? Well, he's crazy. I mean, there there are very yeah. few there are very few coaches you can just legitimately say that guy. You know, to 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 pull the line from stripes. I want to party with that guy. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I can imagine doing you know Red Bull and vodka. You know, Red Bull and vodka all night long with Holgerson would be, and you'd have a you'd have a fantastic story to tell. But, you know, they okay, when, when we get off when we, when we get off here, I, I think I told you guys that some good friends that were on those tech staffs. Uh, yeah, when he was there, I'll, I'll tell you some stories. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> he's he's a wild man. I I, I mean, you got to love him, but you know, uh, there's only his Phil Collins cover band needs to start as soon as possible. So <laughs> he does have that hairdo. You know, the Indiana Knights <laughs> really popular now. So you know. Uh, it, wait, wait. Is it Phil Collins or is it uh, is it Munson? Is it Roy Munson hairdo? Both. It's, it's Phil. It's Phil. It's Phil. It's always been Phil. He looks a little bit like Phil Collins. Then a little, uh, you know, mid 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 eighties Phil, not like you know current Phil. But if you if you put them together, it would be it would be you could you know is that you know is that is that Phil Collins or is that you know Dana Holgerson? So, <laughs> but yeah, I think. I think that's uh that's that's a that's a good call. I just think I, but I'll be honest, this to me, this poll is a complete, you know, mad grab. You I four new sh- teams. Sh- you wouldn't you couldn't tell me with any if you gave me a thousand bucks, hey, who's winning the big twelve? I'd be like, Can I just keep that money? I don't want to lose it. Because it's just <laughs> I mean, it, it could literally be anybody. I mean if you're uh, right about Oklahoma State, somehow, you know, he he does his his Houdini hack and he puts it all together again. There are six teams I could see winning this conference. Well, I just, you know, even go back to like when he hired uh was it was it how do you say his name? Is it all he's Ohio State office coordinator now, like Mike Erlrich, you know. Uh he was a division two guy. And everybody was like, Why is he hiring this guy? And he yeah, but, and but he isn't came this out, guy he's more like, like oh, the, he's like an he's like, the new guy's even work on an even worse resume, though, doesn't he? I don't know. It's just you know, I, yeah, I, I yeah. just go back to like track record. Everybody yeah, laughed at that yeah. hire. I was like, why is he hiring a D two coordinator? All and right. you fast forward six years, and he's a he's a D court, he's the offensive coordinator at you know, like the football factory and college football. So what's interesting to me about this entire thing is all of these power, all these group of five schools that are coming over. I think they've got a good shot at being pretty good. But at the same time, what's interesting about it is in the past, you know, like when Oklahoma State would go play one of those schools, they'd beat them. They'd tear, they'd tear them up. They'd tear them up. When Tech would go play one of these schools, they'd kick their ass. You know, it's like who they would play in non-con and they'd go beat them. You know, I mean, Tech is, I mean, I say that. I think Houston, oh, I don't even think, you know, a couple of years ago, Houston had a great year. I think of the year Tech like fired Wells, Tech still beat Houston, you know? So it's just it's hard to know because uh, yeah, the, the, a lot of the Group Five schools, I would assume they're going to struggle. But and, yeah, and the and the turnover at Oklahoma and the bad year puts you know 
usually you'd be you. I mean, in years past, you just look at talent rankings and go, uh, "It's an Oklahoma Texas rematch in Arlington." I mean, yeah, you know, that's what you would say. But I mean, I again, I don't think I think Texas lost the best player in the conference last year by a wide margin on offense. Yeah. Other than other than Vaughn, the most important player, and they lost his really good backup and. Two uh, lost, interior linemen also. Yeah, they lost some they lost some guys and and and, and I, I just wasn't impressed with them in the bowl game against Washington. I just wasn't. I think there's still some questions out there about Sark. It is. To me, there's 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 big questions. Uh, yeah, I mean it's questions about Oklahoma and and again, you know, this this Quinn Ewers top ten draft pick nonsense is just silly. Um, well, look at it, look at it like this, and I, I thought about this. Uh, Even Spencer Rattler had a better first year than him. Well, think about this, right? Uh, Brent Venables went six and seven in year one because uh, they lost the bowl game, and I think every one of us sitting here, every Oklahoma fan, you look at the schedule and you look at the team, and you say, if he doesn't win nine or ten games, like he's not the guy. You got to get rid of him. Right. I think I think they should yeah. win 10 games and all 10 of those wins should be by 10 plus points personally, because I we can talk about it. I think they got through the and portal. They, should, they got and they better. Should, and they should lose you know. in the fourth quarter, a close fourth quarter loss. A couple of bounces go the wrong way. And you're like, OK, yeah. I don't I don't I don't love the fact we lost, but under, we did not look outclassed or outmatched at all. Yeah, I, I just think that I think that. And he said it right. If the defense is better, we should easily win ten games. And I just think the defense is a, going to be much better, both because of year two guys are more comfortable, the talent, but also just the influx of portal guys to make them better. Uh, but here's where I was going. Where's going with that? Isn't it? Is it not wild that Texas just bangs this drum that they are back? They are Texas. And <laughs> Sark went well. Sark went five and seven, and then he went eight and four. And they're all happy. If and they should have lost. And, and they only lost to K State because what's his name inexplicably started the wrong quarterback. Well, not only that, I mean, Iowa State, uh, Hutchinson dropped the game winning touchdown, hit him in the hands. He yeah. just dropped it and fell down. It looked like. And there was know, still some shenanigans in the, in the refereeing in the rest of that game. I mean, it was yeah, like, okay. I mean, it, it legit looked like a point shaving incident when Hutchinson dropped the ball. And I'm not kidding, right? So they could have easily been seven and five, but they went eight and four. And they're claiming they're back. If Oklahoma goes eight and four this year, it is we're not back. It's like what we're the hell firing. Happened? We're firing. Yeah. Uh, so I just think it's interesting while they, uh, you know, they talk about ah Texas football. It's like, mediocrity is improvement, right? That's that's mediocrity. Yeah. Baseline mediocrity is improvement. It's a, yeah for them. Yeah. All right. Well, good episode, guys. We'll go ahead and wrap it up with with that. Um, you know, we talked about a lot of names. Head over to the board. We'll be tracking those. Not a lot of new names, thankfully. A lot of a lot of names we've been talking about for a while, but some commitment dates are coming up. Uh, so head over to the board to check out the latest on that. Uh, and again, I teased it earlier. We are coming with video very, very soon. Our platform is almost ready. Just a few more kinks to work out. And we'll be live on YouTube and on the new platform. So look for that soon. Head to the board for the latest news on that. And uh, again, subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, etc. And soon to be YouTube. So head over to the board and we will see everybody around the water.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.